It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk and Paul Dottino side-by-side in my hotel room in Providence, Rhode Island. We just got back from the Giants' joint practice against the New England Patriots. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Hitting the Internet soon. I just sent it in, so give it half an hour or an hour or so. Should be my... Uh, practice standouts, my practice report. Check that out for some of the nitty-gritty details. Paul and I will go through it now. And we will, of course, take your calls at 201-939-4513. Pearson and Taylor at the controls back at the shop, doing a good job getting us hooked up. Much like I was in Cleveland, I am running off of a wireless card here. Our unit is hoisted onto the window with the card pointing out. It's held for the last 20 minutes, so I think we should hold the rest of the show. But if you lose us, that is why it is a product of technology, because apparently they have limited, they have eliminated all hard internet ports from hotel rooms, which is not helpful for me. Paul Dottino, how are you, sir? <laughs> Very well, John. You know, it's funny. I was just going to say I could probably hang out the window by one hand and hold your little audio card by the other and see if that will work. Yeah, well, I might have to try that, Paul. <laughs> um, anyway, let's talk about practice, all jokes uh, aside. And again, we can lines are open, get to us. We'll try to get to your calls as, as early as possible. Paul, in a lot of ways, this practice, and I think this is a good way to summarize it for me, reminded me a lot of the first practice against the Browns last week when we did the joint practices in Cleveland, where it seemed like they were trying to figure some things out. I thought the offensive line today was better than the offensive line was in the first day with Cleveland, but I thought the defense wasn't nearly as good today as it was the first day against Cleveland last week. So I think that's how I viewed practice, where the Patriot offense moved the ball pretty well up and down the field. The Giants offense had its moments, uh, but didn't have enough of them. We didn't see enough touchdowns and moving up and down the field consistently. So I think this was kind of, again, getting used to a new opponent. Joe Judge talked about it before practice. It's another new scheme on both sides of the ball for his team to learn from and adjust to. Yeah, I thought the Giants were very inconsistent today throughout the course of the afternoon. Uh, Sporadic effectiveness. Uh, You'd see some good things and then see some things that weren't so good that even Daniel Jones said after practice, it was up and down and we've got to clean some stuff up. That's just the way it was. I I will say this, the conditions really steamy. We're talking about 85 degrees, real feel of about 95, bright sun, nasty humidity, muggy. Uh, We saw a lot of guys, Peppers, Slayton. uh, There were a number of other guys also who had to take breaks and had to go inside and then came back out. Now, we didn't get necessarily confirmations. That's why they had to go in and come back out. But it 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 was a safe bet, let me it's put it that way. It's reasonable to yes. see guys go inside with a trainer uh, with Gatorade bottles and then come back out a little bit later. You would assume that the heat was impacting these folks, and a number of players uh, did have to take some short breaks on both sides of the ball for both of the teams. It, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely hot and steamy out here. I will say this, though, John. You know, I was very impressed with the way the practices ran. I thought that Belichick and Judge were very detailed, as expected. Uh, they had everything compartmentalized. 
and it was not in any way disorganized. Uh, they they knew what they were trying to get done, whether it be red zone, whether it be two-minute drill. A lot of situational stuff today. Well, isn't that what Judge actually told us we would expect? Did, yeah. Situational stuff. And that's really what it was. One-on-ones, seven-on-sevens, 11-on-elevens, special teams, all that stuff. And so I think both coaches were probably happy to get the stuff in that they wanted to get in, whether or not they were happy with what they saw. I would think it's fair to say Bill Belichick was much more satisfied with the execution than Joe Judge was. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I thought a couple guys that stood out to me, there were a couple almost plays on defense. One, Xavier McKinney. On the in the first team session of practice, I think mm-hmm. that was running play action mostly. He undercut a crossing route, jumped up, looked like he made a great diving interception. Then he hit the ground and the ball came out. Yeah, there was another play later, and it was either seven and seven on team where they threw it over the middle high to the player Jabril Peppers was covering. He comes in, gets his hand on the ball, but yep. the receiver holds on to it, makes the play. So there were a couple of those plays. Uh, offensively, for me, I thought Darius Slayton was probably Daniel Jones's most frequent target. We didn't see any big plays from him down the field, but a lot of slants, stops, in-cuts, things like that. And then I thought Dante Pettis made the biggest individual play at practice. During the final two-minute session, he caught a short little out, turned the ball upfield, made a big play, put the Giants in the field goal range, and Graham Gano clocked in a 30 or 40 or so yard field goal uh, on the final session of practice for the Giants during two minutes. That's what jumped out to me. Yeah, I thought during the uh, latter stages of the 11 on 11, the defense did have two consecutive really nice plays. Odenabo knocked the ball down at the line of scrimmage where he tipped it. Yeah, I couldn't tell who got it. You sure that was Odenabo that got his hand on it? it Because he was behind the quarterback. I thought someone at the line of scrimmage got it. I thought he got it from the backside. You you could be right. I honestly couldn't tell who got a piece of it. Let's put it this way. After the play was over, he looked pretty pumped. And by the way, <laughs> after Isaiah Wynn went out and wasn't practicing, both Carter and Odenabo ate up Yadni Kajus, who was yes. playing that left tackle spot. They certainly did. Yes. Car- Carter had a couple of nice pass rushes. Yes. Uh, after Odenabo's tip ball on the ensuing play, B.J. Hill got in for what would have been a sack. Uh, they didn't blow the whistle. They let the play continue, and the Patriots completed the pass. But clearly, Hill would have had the sack, and he made sure the coaches knew about it after the play was over. Uh, that was, like, to me, the best defensive series of the day for the Giants. Uh, you mentioned Slayton had a terrific day up and down. Thought Sills was dynamite in the one-on-ones, had a contested catch, then had another route where he did a double move, and he left the cornerback about five yards behind him, just created an immense amount of space to make the catch. Uh, Matt Cole had a really sweet contested catch, and then the next time on the rep, drew a defensive pass interference because the DB just had no chance to cover him. So some good days individually for a few of the wide receivers. But, again, on the whole, I agree with you, John. I do think it was it was a rather inconsistent afternoon. And I know that the Giants will be looking forward to a better day tomorrow. Hey, Daniel Jones called it up and down in his media availability. So I think that Says was a very good description of it. Evan Ingram said, look, there's things we got to go back in and work on for the next practice. Um, I think that made a sense. There was some news today we should get to as well. We just talked about what happened at practice in terms of the X's and O's. We saw Kyle Rudolph at practice for the first time. He was activated off the PUP list. He passed his physical uh, this morning. He was out there at practice. Now, Paul, there wasn't any teamwork for him, no seven-on-seven for him, no one-on-ones for him. But he he did all the individual stuff, which is what they always do is they start to ramp these guys up. 
He spoke before or spoke after practice. Part of me said he was really happy to be out there. He feels great. He's been doing a lot with the trainer, stuff that we have seen, stuff that we haven't seen as well. And now to quote him, I think I have his quote right here. I'm going to read it to you because I thought it was significant. Um, he said the next two weeks are going to be huge. I mentioned it before. I was just able to get my feet wet today, but I've got a work, lot of work left to do. I'm just going to keep working each and every day, chipping away at it. One of my favorite sayings is, you eat an elephant only one bite at a time. So if I look two weeks from now as, oh, my God, how am I get ready to play a game? I'll never get there. But if I just take it one day each at a time, I'll be happy with where I'm at in two weeks. And he did say that is his goal to be ready for week one. So he's got about two weeks and 10 days and another three days, about 17 days or so, Paul, to be ready for that week one matchup against Denver. And by the way, we should tell people the Broncos have announced that Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos again in that opening day of the regular season when they come to MetLife Stadium. I wish Lance Meadow was on so we can have another discussion about how he didn't think the Broncos should draft a quarterback because they had Drew Locke in place. Yeah. How's that looking? Not too good. <laughs> <laughs> Lance, if your ears are ringing, that's why. Um but, yeah, I thought it was important to see him out there, Paul. And, you know, both Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram talked effusively about how helpful Rudolph has been, yes. even though he's not at practice in the meeting rooms. Well, this is a guy who's been in the league for 10 years. Uh, he knows an awful lot. Very astute player, very smart, crafty, wily, understands that he was brought here to the Giants specifically to do things like contested catches and to win in the red zone. He said that's his specialty. He understands that that's his function, and the Giants really want to lean on him to bring those talents to the forefront. And the other piece of small news, uh, Joe Judge said that Saquon Barkley excused for personal reasons, nothing to be concerned or worried about. And he told about him last week. This is something he knew about ahead of time. Right. This was a week old already in terms of their communication, and that Barkley will be here tomorrow. He'll get the red jersey, which means no contact, He'll be hands-off, but he will be able to run through some of the drills. Now, it is important to note that there were Patriots that had red jerseys on today as well. The one that I noted, because I think we can use it as a case of comparison for Barkley, was Hunter Henry, their right. tight end who's banged up a little bit. And he did do some seven-on-seven -seven stuff. So but I hands-off. Hands-off. Yeah, well, I, I saw him try to come down with the ball in the back of the end zone, and Jerome Peppers pushed him out of bounds. So it wasn't completely hands-off. It wasn't full contact, right? It was a very it was a very gentle. I must have been looking at the other field. I did not see the contact. It was a gentle nudge. Gentle nudge. Yes, maybe one arm okay. on the back so he didn't get two feet in. I got so you. So my point, though, is that I think Saquon Barkley, there's a good chance he will be uh, involved in some of those non-contact seven-on-seven portions of practice tomorrow, which should make Giant fans happy. One thing, John, that I want to bring up, Please. and I think it's important because, you know, every day Joe Judge gets harassed about Saquon Barkley's schedule. And by the way, we should also note that it is open, it is potentially open that he could play in that final preseason game. We don't know that yes or no Judge yet. has left that possibility Correct. on the table. But, but I do want to mention this because Joe Judge made something very clear today. And you I, have the quote? I, I, I'm going to paraphrase as I usually do on my real-time Twitter. He talked about the fact that, uh, let's see, Barkley here. Um, he said here, he talked with the medics for about an hour about how they were going to continue planning for Barkley's schedule. And this is the most important part of what he said. Every player needs physical contact before he gets into a real game. And there are no exceptions about that. He said every player has to have contact. 
You cannot throw him in with real games, live bullets, unless they've had some contact. Now, he also specified that doesn't necessarily mean in-game contact. The level of contact is going to be determined by the coaches. Correct. Is that going to come, you know, him getting whacked with pads in a practice, him getting pushed in practice, or is it going to be a full preseason game? We don't know what the level of that contact is going to be, but he's not going to go from seven-on-seven to game. There's going to be some type of step after that. What that step's going to be, we don't know yet, but we'll find out. Remember, after the Patriots game on Sunday, 6 o'clock kickoff at MetLife Stadium, the Giants will have a couple of weeks, as will all these teams, before the regular season starts. Now, John, during the course of that time, the Giants could have some nasty full-pads practices with some contact. Almost scrimmages, if yeah, you will. My guess is that. Which happens. is where Barkley may wind up getting some uh, some extra work. Yeah, without that fourth preseason game, Paul, you're going to have, you figure that everyone's going to get that Monday off after the Patriots game, right? So you come back, or rather you come over from MetLife Stadium that they're now playing up here. You're going to have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where you could have some, like, real practices where there's With no game to get ready for. Absolutely. My guess is that they're going to give them probably Saturday and Sunday off on Labor Day weekend. Makes sense. Or maybe they'll give them Friday off. They'll do something small on Saturday, something like that. Then they'll come back on when they'll come back on Monday. They'll probably have that usual game prep week where they give them the Tuesday sure. off, and then they'll have their normal practices leading into practice. I haven't seen the schedule by the way. This is just me kind of guessing how what what they're going to do here based on what we've seen previously. Then they'll have their normal Wednesday, Thursday, Friday ramp up for the game against Denver. So you're looking at four, maybe five practices, some of which could really be physical, full-padded practices as they get ready for that game against Denver before they have the game week. So I think the important thing for everybody out there to mention is that once we see Barkley in some type of contacted environment, okay, where he does get jostled and does get batted around a little bit, once we see that, then we will know He is now getting really, really close to potentially getting into a game. Until we see that, though, everybody cool your jets, push the brakes, and understand he's not one step away from getting into a game. Correct. There's another step to go. That's it. Now remember, the Giants practice on Friday, too, not against the Patriots. So maybe they do something with him to ramp him up a little bit before the preseason game on Sunday. We don't know what they're going to do yet. So the window's open. We don't know exactly how they're going to handle it, what they're going to do, but they are going to try to get him ready. And I think, Paul, unless there's at this point, and I don't want to mean to speak out of turn here, and if they are, and if I am, you know, throw one of my pillows at me and, you know, let me know. Okay. Can I throw you out the window? Well, I I prefer not that. Unless there's a setback at this point, I think both of us would be pretty surprised if Saquon Barkley is not suited up for week one against Denver. I will maintain what I've said for months, that I do think he will be on a pitch count and limited at the beginning of the season. Again, I think it's starting to look more and more like he will get a jersey against the Broncos. I just don't think it's going to be anywhere near 20 to 25 touches. I've never felt that, and I'm, I'm still going there. I mean, this has been a pretty long ramp-up period. I want to see what he does in practice in the next two weeks. Is For me, do I think it's possible he'll get touches in week one? I, I wouldn't. For me, I would not rule that out. No well, one's told me anything. He is Superman, right? No one's told me anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. But given how long this ramp-up period's been, would that surprise me? It would not necessarily surprise I me. I don't think 
even when he gets some of the physicality over the course of the next couple of weeks that will allow him to jump into a game, I don't know that there'll be enough of physicality to allow him a full load right away. I just don't think so. Well, do you think touches the right guide here, or do you think snaps is the right guide? How do you think is the, is, is the best way to look at this? Touches. T- touches, to me, it, you could use him as a decoy. You know, you could you could split him out even. You know, have him go empty backfield and split him out and just take somebody out of a play by running him down the sideline. That's not a dangerous play for him. Like, do you think he'll get 75% of the snaps? No, I don't. Closer, I, I think it's closer to 60 yeah, or 50. I, yeah, I think it's going to be more down there. Okay. And, and again, for me, it's more about the touches, but but I do think you will see him in a number of snaps against the Broncos where he is not intended to see the ball. Yeah, and, and I think we're being very premature here, too. We have to see we what are. he does in practice, what he does in, in, in the last preseason game, but it's just us kind of you know spitballing here what we might end up seeing him do. All right, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Those are the pieces of news I wanted to get to, but Matt Long Island's going to ask about it. So I'll let him ask the question, then we'll talk about that. But first, a reminder that Giant fans don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. The regular season is just over two weeks away. The 2021 preseason is underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giant ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. You can get into that last preseason game as well. All right, Paul, let's go to the phones and say hello to Matt in Long Island. He will lead us off here first on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Matt? Hey guys, and and John, I'll I'll get to what my my call was going to be, which is a dory, but just kind of building off Paul's point, if Saquon's sure. not ready for a full load week one, how on earth could he possibly then turn around and play that Thursday night game in Washington? That, that schedule really didn't do us any favors. I, I think there's a possibility they they hold him out week one, and then try to play him in the more important Thursday night game against Washington. Or maybe, Matt, or how about, I'll throw this one at you. Maybe he is ready for full go, but they pitch cat him to make sure he is ready to go for the Thursday game against Washington. Which is more along the lines of what I'm thinking. He will be yeah. limited against Denver and then probably still limited against Washington, too, to be but honest. you think, let me put it this way, Paul. You think physically, if they weren't playing the following Thursday and they had two regular Sunday games to lead off the year, do you think he could handle a full load in week one? Again, I'd like to see how much physical jostling he's going to take okay. when they start getting him some contact. To me, that is a very big indicator but of you how are, many touches he gets. I guess my question is that you're baking in that Week 2 game being on a Thursday when you're talking about how they're going to plan to Oh, you have it. to. Okay. See, now, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I was just thinking of what he can handle. But if you're baking that in, then I think I would probably lean more towards what you're thinking. I, that just honestly wasn't part of my thought process. Okay. I was just thinking of what I think he can handle based on what he's done. But you're right. With that Thursday game, Matt, I think you bring up a great point. I think you might try to limit him a little bit in that first week to make sure you can have him ready for that quick turnout. It's a great point. I think you guys are both right about that. Yeah, and probably the same thing with Rudolph. But, you know, in terms yeah, of maybe. Uh, Dory, um, you know, that's obviously nobody likes to hear that. We don't know the severity yet. I would assume they'll probably use some sort of combination of Love and Brian with more McKinney at free safety in his in his place. That's a really I don't good think Rodarius Williams and, and, is ready to be starting opening day at 
corner. They don't really have any other boundary corners that I'm, that I'm aware of on the roster. Well, Matt, first of all, let me just tell the people what you're talking about very quickly. Adoree Jackson did leave practice. Uh, he try- I thought I saw him come back and try to play through it. Maybe I missaw that. He, he they were did. on the he opposite. He, he did. He got hurt again on the, one of the final plays. You know, according to Ian Rappaport, it's just a sprain. They're, they're checking the severity, right. and you know they're they're optimistic that you know with rest he should be good for one. But obviously, yeah, because those, those final know, reps of go. practice happen literally around like eighty or ninety yards from Paul and I's position. That's where the media was too. I'm trying to track practice and who's making catches, who's blocking. So I know right. the media is watching for that stuff. So I know there's reports that they saw it wrapped. He got carted off. I one did not see any of that. If I did, I tell you, I, I did not. I was not watching that. I was trying to watch what was going on on the field. But you mentioned the Ian Rappaport tweet. The folks can go out there and then look at his Twitter feed if you want. And look, we just don't know at this point what the deal is with that. Obviously, he's a hugely important player. Um, Paul, who do you see as the next guy up at that outside cornerback spot? I would think it's Julian Love. He hasn't done much of that thing training camp. I know he hasn't, but based on what he did at the end of last season, I think they probably feel the most comfortable with him. Rodarius Williams, for all the great flashes that he's shown, he also looks like a rookie a lot of times. Yes, I think, though, probably in terms of number of reps and snaps, he'd probably be the next guy. Just oh, I don't think the there's any doubt about that. that have gotten, would, would they move? Well, how about this? Would they put Darnay Holmes out there and then play McKinney in the slot? That would hey guys, be possible did they save too. Money on that, did they save money on the Yadam trade? Because now this this guy Jackson they traded for is coming in hurt. But Yadam at least held his own there. I mean, that, that really seems like a weird trade to take a known commodity that you had, who, who at least if we he was starting for us, he'd say, look, we, we kind of know what he gives us. He held his own. There's some continuity. Whereas this guy Jackson, he, I, don't, I would assume he's a good chance he doesn't even make the team. Well, well, I mean, I would say if, if, if he doesn't, I would, look, I don't think they traded for him knowing that he was hurt. Is, is I, I would be surprised if that was the case. He's a known commodity to Patrick Graham. Correct. That's the thing. And I that's, think that's, that's why, and, and that's why I think you have to kind of trust this trade in a lot of ways because they they know what Isaac Yadam is. They've had him here for pretty much almost an entire season and an off season, So they know what he is. The fact that they're willing to move on from him, I think, should tell you all you need to know about it. And the fact that, you know, Graham knows Jackson and he thinks he can come in and help. The injury, obviously, I'm sure, isn't something they planned for and it's something that's kind of caught him by surprise and is obviously not great. You know, Madre Harper or somebody that, that's gotten some of those outside reps too. Yes. So those are guys to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Darnay Holmes move outside and you had one of those safeties work the slot a little bit. Look at it this way, too. You've, you've got a couple of weeks after the Patriots game, before that game against Denver. I don't want to jump to any conclusions about Adoree Jackson no, not being ready for the Bronco oh, game. I was just asking who the next guy up was. I wasn't saying he was going to yeah. start or anything. And I think you I'll just hope it's not a high ankle. You, know, you, 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 you hope it's one of those low ankle yeah. sprains, not a high ankle sprain, because we, those things are quicker. Just for your own edification, so that the people out there get a better picture of what we're seeing, you know how the two practice fields are behind the Quest Center? You guys have seen enough of video at the Giants facility to know how the two practice fields are side by side. Right. Okay? We we were behind the end zones of the two practice fields. So, in other words, behind the goalpost, looking out with a field to our left and a field to our right, side by side, looking 100 yards down the field. And the way they did these practice sessions is that 
they broke them down into individual groupings, whether it was, you know, the 20, uh, uh, you know, the red zone drill, the one-on-one drill, the seven-on-seven drill, whatever the drills they were. And they had the teams break up into one section of offense was on one side, one section of defense was on the other side. And they were simultaneously running the practice on both fields and on both ends of the field. So to be frank with you, unless you had probably eight eyes in your head, it was hard to see every single thing that was going on simultaneously. And, and, that, and I'm with John. I never saw Jackson get carted off. And that Jackson issue did happen in that far end zone, even the initial one, away yes. from us. So it was kind of really hard for us to see exactly And what I was never going saw on. the cart. If the cart no. came out you, to get him, it must put, have been. Uh, Lance on Dettino's shoulders in practice so he can see over the fence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, if there was a cart, I would only say it, it was in the far end and it probably snuck down and <laughs> yeah. he never saw it. Because right. it never came up by well, us. What's your last yeah, point? One last thing I'll uh, jump yep. off the line. James Bradbury, get him off the field. <laughs> he doesn't need to practice. Just get him off the field. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thank you, Matt. And Thank I'll tell you. you what, Bradbury's been great. I mean, he's been one of the most consistent guys, I think, through camp, right? Yeah. I mean, he's just rock solid. He's always around the receiver that's near him. He's getting his hands on the ball. Always. He never gets – have you seen him get called for one penalty? No. In all camp? No. Neither have I. He's just been so consistent. So technically he sound. Isn't, he isn't. He isn't Darrell Rivas now. He's not Deion Sanders. But as a reliable, good, top end starting corner in this league, he did go to the Pro been Bowl. Fantastic. Well, I'm not. But I'm, Darrell he, Rivas and Deion are like. He's you know, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? But okay. He's really good starter. But he's really good. He's a really good Pro Bowl level. Excellent player. Pro Bowl Excellent level player. No question about it. All right, we have a couple open lines, folks. If you want to get in at two zero one nine three nine. 4513. Hey, Giant fans, on September 26th, Wasta Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We are offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, t shirts, and more. Speak with the Giant suite representative now by calling 888 NYG1925 and select option four. There was one brave Giant fans amongst the Patriot fans wearing an Eli Manning jersey today. Did you see that? Paul? I did not see him. Yes, that requires some guts. Young or old? Um, I could not tell from my van. He was, he, was, he was a bit away. I couldn't tell. I saw a lot of young Giants fans out at practice wearing Barkley jerseys. Well, are you surprised that that would be the jersey that no, they're wearing? No, not at all. Not at all. But that's not nearly as dangerous as wearing an Eli jersey. Well, no. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> they, they hold some grudges about those two games up in there in New England. They're not too happy about those. It is what it is. All right, let's go back to the phones. Tim is down in Charleston. He's up next. What's up, Tim? Hey, John, Paul, how you doing? Hello. Doing well, Tim, what's up? <clears throat> um, I have um, kind of a comment and a question, and then a follow-up sure. question that's related regarding constructing the 53-man roster in okay, the so, IR. So and, your call is trifold, I understand. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's call it a duopoly. Okay. <laughs> what do you got, Tim? <laughs> so anyway, so I understand you have to have a guy – first on your 53-man roster to put him on IR. Well, you can put him um, on IR before the 53, but that means he's out for the year. But then he right. can't. Yes, Correct. I understand yes. that, right? And they've already done that with two guys this week. So, yes. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the – you know, this is the time of year when I'm looking at the position groups and my projections for how many players they'll probably keep. Listen to you guys get informed on that, of course. And, and when I look at it, I'm like, boy, this is going to be tough. And then I look at guys who – um, you know, might need to be IR'd. And then I look at guys who they spent traffic on. So you got guys like, you know, Brightwell 
and Robinson, who I don't know what's up with him. Maybe you could fill that in. Uh, Aaron, Robinson, right. Aaron Robinson very quickly is a core muscle injury, and he just has not been able to get his way back on the field. So I would not be right. surprised. He, like I would think he's a PUP candidate to start the year. And send him out the first six games and try to bring him back after that. Okay, so you can pup a guy without having him on your 53? Only if he hasn't participated in practice. Right. Once he okay, participates okay. in practice, now you can't pup him. He has to be on the pup list in, in during the preseason as well. And, right. and, and he hasn't, and he has not, correct? Yes, that's correct. He's been pupped the whole time. And, yeah. He, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and what about Ellis? Ellison Smith? Yes. Ellison no, Smith was – I I'm do sorry. not Ellison believe he Smith, was sorry. I do not believe he was on pup to start He camp. started the first couple of days yeah. in practice. Yeah, so he yeah. – So, you so can't, that means, Sarah – you so, can't, yeah, so you can't look, hide him, so to speak. And I don't think we we have no idea what his injury is, right? That that's completely undisclosed. Ellison they have Smith? not discussed it. Yeah. So when I look at it, and I'm trying to figure out how to what 53 guys initially, the initial 53, as opposed to Lance's final 53, which is <laughs> never mind. I was excited to talk about Lance, um, but funny. you know when when I. When I took, when I look at that, I'm like, well, you know, you got to protect your draft pick. So I think Rodarius Williams is making the team regardless. But you got Brightwell, you got um, Ellison Smith, you know, and then you got guys who you're not going to certainly their draft picks. So you 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 know you're gonna you're not going to expose them to be picked up before you put them on the practice squad. And then and and then you've obviously got guys like potentially Galladay and Tony who might. You know, who's certainly making the roster, obviously, but dead might be IR'd for three weeks. We don't know. Um, but at this point, it's looking probably more likely than less likely. And I'm looking at that. And then I look at, you know, you, the wide receiver prediction of having, like, six guys maybe. And I know you like um, Wills. Uh, Sills, I mean. I'm Sills, sorry, yeah. Sills. Mm-hmm. He's um, been yeah. great. And, right. And, and you know, C.J. Board, because of his special teams ability, has to make it. And they consistency. Yeah, and they picked up those two DBs who are special teams mavens. So you know it's going to make it really tight. And 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 what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking of, like thinking about like a guy like Ross, I don't think he even makes the 53. I think there's no way he stays on the 53. They have to expose him because I mean maybe after maybe you expose him and then after that you add him to the pump or something like that. But I'm seeing this as you know this is the first time that I've been doing this exercise over the last three or four years where I'm actually saying, my God, it's going to be hard. There are players here that I want to keep around. Yeah, that's a good sign, by the way. That tells you how good this team is getting. But understand this, you can't pop Ross. What you can do is you could, if you wanted to, okay, you could wave him when you get to the 53, right? You could do that. You could try to bring him back to the practice squad if you wanted to. And quite frankly, if you wanted to re-sign him, you could re-sign him, put him on your 53, and put somebody else down on injury reserve for three weeks. I mean, or if, if you wanted to. Or if there's somebody that, that you're not afraid of losing at the bottom of your roster, you could always put him on the 53 and then hour. You could do that, you too. Could do that too. You could do that, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, and, and then the, the ancillary question I have to that is, if you, you set your final 53, and now you've got, you know, um, the guys who are exposed to waivers, um, mm-hmm. and, and the guys who don't get claimed that you want to bring back, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to designate, you know, two, three, four guys, whatever it is, to go on the IR for up to three weeks, and you're going to fill those slots. Um, and, and then you've got this 16-man um, practice squad. So right. the question I have is, 
if you then reselect somebody for the practice squad, but they're injured, can they then go on IR or it's practice squad or nothing? You can't put a practice squad player on injured reserve. Okay, that was what I. You did just not leave know. him on the practice squad, and if he's hurt, he's just hurt. Right. You which, don't. Which, you don't IR a practice squad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just I'm just worried about who we're going to lose because you look at like, um, you know, you look at like, uh, uh, you know, the interior linemen and the linebackers and some of these guys, um, you know, you've got um, oh god, the names are now escaping me. I'm uh, I'm 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 losing it, but because I'm sitting in my car, so I, I don't have my. my let, let me resources. help you. Let me help you with one roster spot. I would not be surprised if Ellerson Smith is IR for the year and becomes a redshirt player because right. we I've have not gotten any – and, and, and I still feel that way. I'll be honest with you, Paul. I don't have any feel for what his injury is when he'll ever be back. I have zero feel for that. And, and that's why I say frankly, that. frankly, I have zero feel for Kadarius Tony. Do you have any idea what's wrong with him or what his injury is or when he could be back? Yeah, uh, the other day Gettleman said that his – I think Gettleman who said that his conditioning – have been impacted by his COVID right, a few weeks ago. Right, but that doesn't ago. mean what we know, we know what the injury is. Well, let's put it this way. We just saw him out here on the practice right. field come out with the trainers mm-hmm. at the end of practice I know. in full gear, and he seemed to be doing really well. So I would anticipate that he's going to be continue to be ramped up in the next few weeks. Right, my point, though, is and that I, I think he plays against Denver. I feel like I have a better feel for Galladay than I do for Tony, just because we know exactly what Galladay's injury is, when he suffered right. it. We just don't know the answers to that question, those questions for Tony. I, I agree, but seeing Tony around in uniform makes no, me fair. feel better. That's fair. That's fair. Ellison so, Smith... Oh, you- I mean, I'm not. I'm not feeling like there's anything there to make me optimistic. I just, I, I have right. trouble there's having nothing there. I have trouble having an opinion on it. I just right. don't have any information. Which is why I think, right. and also they have so many guys at the edge rusher spot. Right. So much depth and guys trying to fight I'll for tell you spots. What though, man. You don't need Ellis Smith, Ellison Smith yeah, to win a job. I, I, you hate to redshirt him though, because well, he's getting, remember he didn't play his last year in I college know, either. But they also told you that he was raw. I he know, was making a big jump from Northern Iowa. Right. No, 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 no. That's fine. But remember, he can't practice. I know he can't. Like, if, if, he, if you redshirt him, but he's not on IR, and you just don't play him, but he's on the 53, at least he could be on the – he could do practice yep. squad stuff. He can get reps They don't practice. have the luxury of oh, doing that. No, I get that. But that is something that would make me pause. I to put him on IR because I want to be able to work with the kid. I understand. And if you're on IR, you cannot do stuff. I'm trying to help the caller get a I, roster I spot. Know, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. Paul, I mean, one, one last thing. I, I, you know, I know you got other callers waiting, but um, Paul, you just kind of surprised me in that you think that Tony will be suited up to play against Denver, number one. And, and I think it makes more sense. I'm with John on this. You know, Ellison Smith, you keep, make the 53, and then you IR him for three weeks. And then you could always extend the IR beyond that, right? I mean, it's not like three weeks he has to come back. Yeah, he right? can stay Correct. anywhere from three to – then they have to make a decision, what, at, at eight weeks? Yeah. And then he, and then it becomes the full season, right. correct? Yes. Right. I, I, I think I, look, that's I'm a not, perfect scenario I'm not telling you that can happen. It, it, it's all possible right now. Every, everything's possible with Ellison Smith right now. But, I'm just trying to prep people Tony? for the fact what, that he could what, be redshirted. Go ahead. I'm sorry. About Tony, what you said about Tony surprised me more that you think he'll be active for the game at Denver. Now, maybe he doesn't get a jersey, but he'll be on the active 53-man roster for Denver. I think so. You, well, that's a gut. That? Yeah. Yeah, that's he, a gut. He could but be. He has, I mean, 
again, I don't really have much information on what's wrong with him, so it's hard for me to say. And if he is, put it this way, if he is active and he does play, I would not expect a big role for him on offense. I think he would be right. maybe used in the return game. Correct. And, you know, he would be a kind of a player that's starting to figure things out. He's going to have a but very yeah. small portion of the playbook this year. I, I understand that, but he hasn't done anything yet. I mean, I, I love him. No, I, I love know. the pick. I, lo- I love getting the pick next year. I think our draft was sensational, but – but I just, I mean, I mean, I don't know how you can play him when he, you haven't even seen him collect a putt yet. Oh, sure. He's Th- fielded special teams in practice. Yeah, some punts. And, he's yeah, absolutely he's done, done that. Thank you, Tim. He's, yeah, he's, he's done okay. individuals. He's done special teams. And then they pulled him back again. So, as, right. as, as Dave Gettleman himself said, he, he was up and then he was back down. And he said, we, we've had a stop and go with him a couple times. That's what Gettleman said. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he has actually done some stuff. I don't want people to get the impression that Kadarius Tony has done nothing. He's been on stop and go twice, I think, during the course of camp. Now, again, you're going to have to go by judges' words about Barkley. You're going to have to get Tony in some type of drills where he's going to get jostled around a little bit before you throw him in a game. But I think his role is so much more limited by design than Barclays is that I I think my gut feeling says Tony's active for Denver. I'm not promising that to anybody, but yes, more my gut feeling. Yeah, look, I mean, if these look soft soft tissue injuries, and again, maybe it's not a soft tissue injury. I don't know. I'm guessing, but for him, for I'll just for this theoretical conversation, let's put him in the same category as as, as Galladay, right? Let's say they're both dealing with soft tissue leg injuries. We don't know. Let's just assume. Wide receivers is tricky. Like, you got to be careful with those guys, man. You put a wide receiver out there. Like, we know Galladay is a hamstring, right? You put him out there. You tweak that thing again after you hurt it the first time. You can look at a month or two. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are out for a while. So you have to err on the side of caution with these guys. Sure. To make sure you don't lose them for a long period of time. I know that's not what Giant fans want to hear. I know they want them back on the field. I know they're your big offseason additions. You want to see them. I get all that. I totally understand. But Kenny Galladay is too important to this team to try to bring him back too quickly. And then you lose him for a long period of time. You know, John, I think part of the problem here is that none of us truly have a frame of reference for the end of the preseason to the beginning of the regular season. Because we're not used to having such a large time off between those things. The preseason usually ends. The following week, we start the regular season. So our frame of reference usually tells us that the clock is ticking, the calendar's moving quickly, and there's not a lot of extra time in there to rehab. This This year there is. Yeah, there's a full two weeks, and a lot can happen in two weeks. A lot can happen. No, you're right. Do we know for sure whether or not those practices are open to the public, are open to us to watch next week? Are you aware? I'm no not one's even told sure. me. I don't know either. <laughs> Nobody has told me. So we'll see how much we'll be able to tell you. <laughs> 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, taking all the action of Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giant suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Let's go to Harlem and say what's up to Otis. What's up, Otis? Hey, how y'all, how y'all guys doing today? We're good, man. What's going on? Uh, nothing. Uh, I'm a first-time caller, but, you know, I listen to y'all a whole, a whole lot. Well, Hi. Thank, thank you for calling in and being part of the I'm show. A, what do you got? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, you, Paul, and uh, and Lance. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I appreciate um, I have, it. 
And by the way, Otis, uh, just, just for the record, I, I understand why you're not a big fan of Feagles. We're not either. <laughs> I totally get it. Uh, I, have, I have a question, and I have two bold predictions. Ooh. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm going to start off with the question. The question is, uh, do you know the Pacific timeline, or will Kenny, Gall- will Kenny Galladay play for week one? No idea. Um, he's he's doing a little bit more all the time in practice. We see him working on the side. He's doing some jogging. I have, have, have not seen full speed sprints, Paul. I don't know I if have you've not. watched them. I have not also been watching that every second of practice, so maybe he's been doing that. I haven't seen it. But, look, we don't know. Like I said, Otis' hamstrings are tricky with wide receivers. You've got to be careful with them. I think the hope is that he's back yeah, for week definitely. one. But, remember, we're still almost 17 days away. So, to Paul's point earlier, a lot can change between now and week one. I'll give you two things to chew on if you'd like to be optimistic, if that's the way you want to be. Chew on this. Mm-hmm. Galladay does come out to practice in gear. Pads. Okay. He has and pads. pads on. Yep. Mm-hmm. And usually yeah, guys who are I've further away him, uh... don't come out. They're getting treatment inside. That's true. Okay, so that's a reason for optimism. I'll give you a second reason for optimism. Talking to Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach last week, he said to me that Kenny Galladay is on point with all of his bookwork. He knows the offense. He knows his stuff. He is just absolutely razor sharp, and they love his football acumen. And during the offseason, he did do some throwing camps with Daniel Jones. They spent time together trying to get something going. So if you want some crumbs to make you feel better, those are the crumbs I can give mm-hmm. you. Yeah, because I've seen him uh, uh, geared up at the uh, at the Browns practice, uh, joint yep. practice. Right. And, you know, the other so thing that said, uh, Otis, the other thing that's tricky, too, is that, you know, if they're practicing at home this week against each other, Maybe they do try to sneak mm-hmm. him in for a seven-on-seven or something like that. But since it's against an opponent, Joe Judge is more cautious that way. Right. So I think the fact that it's a joint mm-hmm. practice might even you know, disguise how far along he is, too. Maybe we'll have a better idea on Friday, Paul, when they do come back and they have a practice back at the facility. Could we be. don't know what the intensity of that practice is going to be, but I think the level of Galladay's participation will actually be fairly informative that day. Okay, so uh, my bold prediction is I think Kenny Galladay, whenever he de- whenever he decides to come back, I think he'll lead the Giants in touchdowns. I'm going to give him it's 17 games, so I'm going to give him at least between 15 and 17 touchdowns. Whoa, that is bold. Mm. I like it. All right, good and, stuff, Otis. You got anything else for us? Yep, and my second bold prediction is when Saquon come back, I think he'll have. I think he'll pass his rookie, his uh, his yeah, his his rookie um, his rookie stats. I'll give him. Well, he had eleven. He had eleven touchdowns for his rookie year. Ooh, I don't know offhand. I know he had thirteen hundred something rushing yards. I don't remember. He had about he had about twenty one hundred yards of total offense from scrimmage. I think as I, I think twenty and I think twenty thirty. I think I remember. Let me yeah, look it was, it up it right, was right about that number. I think that'd be pretty hard to pass, although technically there are 17 games. It all depends on how much of a load he gets. All right, so Saquon Barkley as a rookie with my slow hotel internet here. Um, as a rookie, he rushed for 1,307 yards. He had uh, 2,028 scrimmage yards, so 721 yards receiving. That's where he was. How many TDs, John? Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I was looking up, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right, Otis. 11 rushing TDs, and he had four receiving TDs, so 15 total. 
And where are you going to go, Otis? Okay, so so I'm going to give him 14 rushing TDs, and I'm going to give him seven receiving touchdowns. That's, now it's a lot of touchdowns between Galladay and Barkley. I'll tell you that yeah, right there. They have a hell of an offense. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Otis. You're welcome. Don't, don't be a stranger, man. Happy you we're willing to call into the show. Thank you. Boy. If the Giants can get that kind of production in the end zone from those two players, they are going to average well over 24 points a game. Now, I got to admit, I probably should have admitted this earlier. We said we didn't see maybe at the end when some people saw Adoree Jackson, you know, maybe, you know, get motioned off the field. One of the reasons maybe we didn't see it, Paul, is that we were kind of hiding out today. You know, we didn't want a certain person to see us out of practice. Did you see him? I did not. But I did not line. see I, him I, either. I, I did not. Well, that's because we were hiding. Let's, okay. Let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie. Hey, guys. You're going to see me tomorrow. Oh, I'll boy. be there. Were you there today? <laughs> no, he was not there. No, you were I not wasn't there, there today. today. No, okay. I'm just coming uh, Thursday. Yeah, coming tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I'll be there. You'll, you'll, you'll see me. You'll, are you anywhere uh, to Giants? Oh, so, Charlie, what, 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 are, what are you going to be? Like, do you have a whole Giants get-up? I, I can see you dying no, your hair no, blue, no. like the big no, blue, like no, no. freak afro maybe, something like that. No? no what, you know what I have? I have a— Lobster costume maybe? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I, that would be good, though. Hey, I have, I have a giant umbrella helmet. Have you ever seen— I an have. umbrella that was no, a helmet. I've seen it. What I've is, seen it. You mean I've got it, when you open the umbrella up, it looks like a helmet? Yeah, it's Char- a helmet. Charlie, that thing yeah, is years old, man. I know, man. I know, I know. So you, you're going to see somebody walking around with that, so you'll know who it is. Okay. I, I, I please ask you for one favor, okay? Sure. When the Patriots fans decide to beat the living stuffing out of you, <laughs> you don't tell them that you know us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> True. And by I only got to wear it. W- I only got to wear it once, and then I got to put it down. You know? and, okay. And, and by the way, the funny thing is, like, we are right next to where the fans are, so Charlie's gonna find us. You know that, right? Like, oh, like I there is th- th- there is no hiding for us. Like, we are we are exposed and out in the open. Like, they are we aren't exactly <laughs> hidden based no, on where we're, we're set up. It's, no, we're not. It's a big. Can you problem. guys see anything? I mean, can the fans actually see something? Or are we yeah, in fact, miles the fans—you could actually argue the fans off to the side of it better than we do, to be quite yes. honest with you. Because the fans are goal line to goal line. Yeah. So you, yeah, you—if you get there early enough, you could be seated at like the fifty. Yeah, you're, you're going to be getting great bleacher seats. They had about four thousand fans there today, according yeah. to well, what the Patriots staffers were telling us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were allowed. They were into okay. It. That's good. Hey, and uh, and and I I have some old. Uh, credentials, the media credentials from when I was in radio. So I'm going to bring those with me and see if I can uh, sneak in. And you might see me. No, 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 no. Why would you do that? <laughs> Hold on a second. When were you in radio? I, I want to hear this part of the story now. I was, uh, oh, I was in radio. I was in radio for about 10 years. I was a what did you disc do? jockey for, I was a classic uh, on-air disc jockey for a rock and roll station, classic this- rock. WBLM. so much. You're just trying to relive <laughs> your youth with all these calls to Big Blue Kickoff. I get it now. All right. Now, now the Charlie persona is coming into view a little bit. I understand this now. I get it. Okay. 
<laughs> and you know, remember, and you, you know, remember a classic rock. You know, you have, you have to be a bit of a shock jock. You have to bring controversy. Yeah. So everything is starting to make sense. So maybe it's not <laughs> mental illness. Maybe it's just that he's trying to, you no, know, be no. be an on air, you know, shock jock. John, I think it explains something else. Remember all those classic rock guys. They usually have some very strange plants in the studio with them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. They have very strange plants that they usually grow in their backyards. I get it now. Okay. Yep. That that actually does make sense. And I think poor Charlie has fried for years. For all his home remedies is basically what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Hey, look, I have a nice herb garden. I'm not surprised. I'm sure you have a large large variety of herbs in that garden. (laughs) Charlie, honestly, do you have a football? Do you, do you have a football question? Seriously, no, this is my fault. I derailed oh, the did. conversation. It's not, it's my fault. It's not his is there fault. something you wanted hey, to yeah, know about my, today? Yeah, my son, Ryzen John, he will get waived with an injury settlement after five weeks. That he can come back and he will be back on the Giants practice squad and he will yeah, play that, this. That's season. possible. That's my very prediction. reasonable. Very reasonable. All right. We'll see you guys. I'll uh, I'll uh, definitely look for you. I hope not, Charlie. Have a good day. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call. <laughs> see, Charlie, with the reasonable point today, he's saving all the crazy for when he sees us in person tomorrow. Oh my! <laughs> you know you you know how we're going to spot Charlie. He's going to be the guy with the T-shirt that says "President of the Lance Meadow Fan Club." <laughs> I thought maybe he would have the New York Giants branded straight jacket on where they would they wheel him in from the institution. No? Oh, my. <laughs> All right. We do have about 10 minutes, folks. We do have nobody on the line right now. If you want to get in and give us a call, you can. It's 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. If you want to get in, give us a talk, talk some Giants football. But I want to see if you can find some Twitter questions for us. Is okay. that why you're on your phone? I'm going to look right now. All right. See if you can find some Twitter questions. You want to get in there. And, if, folks, again, if, if you want to call and you don't have a chance to, to pop in sometimes, I know we're, we're – we're busy a lot. Uh, the, the phones are busy. I mean, you can't get in. We will get to you right away if you give us a call again, 201-939-4513. But, Paul, I think you brought up an, an interesting thing. And having that two-week period between the last preseason game and the first regular season game is something different. I don't think we, we've talked about it a little bit in terms of how you structure your preseason lineups, who plays in what games, and things of that nature. But I don't think we've quite baked in exactly – how different it's going to be and how it's going to impact the regular season and getting ready for it. Because you're right, you know, if you think about it, it's basically more than a bye week, right? Because you're not coming off a game. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's going to be a much different experience having that two-week period that I don't think we've quite grasped all the different things it's going to impact, including when you put that final – when you and I, by the way, I actually agree with Len. I think calling it – when you put that first 53 together mm-hmm. – you have time then to, to do the waiver process, bring guys in. They have more time to get used to the system, the team, learn plays, so you can kind of use those guys a lot quicker because you have more time to kind of get them into your program and getting ready for that first regular season game. Well, you know, you'll remember before the Cleveland game when I taped the uh, pregame interview with Coach Joe one of the things that I asked him was, last year as a rookie NFL head coach, you didn't even go through yeah. the standard four-game preseason. So... I don't know what your expectations are, but how is your preseason schedule gone considering this is what we believe to be a muted preseason because it's only three games? Now, he said everything seems to be going according to plan. Well, that's great. 
But for people like us who have been around a long time and we're used to the four-game preseason and the one week, you know, between the, the final preseason game and the regular season, it, it it's weird. I, I, I think my frame of reference because of the change in the time schedule and the gap, it has to be kind of reconfigured. And I appreciate that Joe Judge has been on the Patriots staff for a number of years, so certainly he's aware of how the habits had been formed prior, but he had never been the guy who had to actually make the schedule, who had to set the agenda. So I think for him, maybe, John, it's actually a little bit easier for him because he's never been a head coach under the four preseason game schedule. Maybe that makes this... You know, something that it's like, you know, they say you can't teach uh, an old dog new tricks. Well, he's kind of experiencing this for the first time like all of us are. So I think it's easier for him to kind of get through it. But I do I do agree with you in that the ramp-up periods that we've been talking about with a lot of these Giants walking wounded players is certainly going to be something that we will have a microscope on during the course of those two weeks before the Broncos game. I agree. Paul, you got any questions for us over yeah, there? Yeah. Uh, most of the comments are either about Adoree Jackson, trying to figure out what's going on with him. I'm seeing a ton of people uh, send me tweets about the Tom Coughlin situation with his wife, Judy. And they also wanted to know, did, Do- did uh, Joe Judge address that today? And he did. And he did, yeah. He wanted to send his prayers out, obviously, to, to Tom and Judy are going through a very tough time. Without question. And, and we do as well. And he opened his media session with that, I might add, too. Yes, he did. You know, he didn't wait for that. He, he came right out and wanted to make sure everybody knew that. Yep. Because uh, the Coughlin family, very, very dear to everyone in this organization, even those who had not been here at the time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going way back here, John. And to be honest with you, the last few days, I, I guess the one thing we didn't do, we didn't mention today the Giants did officially waive Clayton Thorson injured. Uh, he had gotten the concussion in the Jets preseason game last weekend, uh, and then they signed uh, Brian Lewerke this past weekend, and he played against uh, the Browns, uh, did some decent things. He's mobile. Uh, he gets around, yeah. And and you know what? It's interesting about Lewerke. Uh When he was at Michigan State and he wound up being the MVP of the Pinstrop Bowl in 2019, um, went undrafted, got picked up for a quick look by the Patriots. And I have to believe that before he came down to visit the Giants for a workout two weeks ago, I have to believe that Joe Judge probably put in a call to Belichick and probably said, hey, sure. you had him for a cup of coffee. What do you think? Is, is, is it worth us taking a look at this guy? Well, and I'll say this too, Paul. I have I'm, to believe that. And I thought this before, and it's just been reinforced mm-hmm. since. The Giants ain't keeping three quarterbacks on their final 53-man roster. No, that third guy's going to be a practice squad guy. Correct. And he would be a guy who fits practice squad uh, mode. Oh, absolutely. I Yeah, I just think there are some fans that have thought that you would keep three on the final 53. I've never thought that. Well, neither have I. Some people no. have. I no. just don't think that's going to happen. So that's something that I've become more sure of as, as we've gone along. And I guess we should talk a little bit about Mike Glennon. I know we've had a lot, a lot of calls about him last week on the shows. But I just think some things with him, Paul, I want to see a little bit more consistency. Where just, you know, if there's an open guy, hit him, make the right play, get rid of the ball quick. And, you know, Joe Judge, you know, I forget when he said this, but look, that backup quarterback, keep the team in the game, win with your defense, don't make the mistake, make the plays that are there. Like what McCoy did in Seattle. Correct. Because, you know, people say, oh, you know, Colt McCoy won that game against the Seahawks. No, he didn't. The Giants' defense won the game against the Seahawks, but Colt McCoy didn't foul it up. (laughs) Right. 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 He didn't foul it up. 
because I believe they got their one touchdown off a turnover in that yeah. game. If I remember right, too, it wasn't even a long drive. So that's what you're looking at from the. That's what you're looking for, rather, from that backup quarterback spot. Well, the Paul. thing about Glennon, and you know, uh, we've gotten the chance to watch him now. Well, you know, quite often. Yeah, he does have an arm. No, I mean, there's no doubt he throws a tight spiral and he can wing it long downfield. Well, there's a reason he was a high second round pick. He has the physical tools you want. Well, he he started as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, Mike you, Lennon has started a bunch of games in this league, hmm? and he's won some games. So you know, I appreciate that. Look, ultimately though, let's not kid ourselves. The Giants need Daniel Jones to be the type of quarterback they expect him to be if they're going to be a playoff contender this season. I, I don't I don't want to pull any punches on that. I'm not I don't want to disparage Mike Glennon, but I'm not they, they need Daniel Jones to do what he oh, needs to do. Oh, I say that every year. All these people get all worried about these backup quarterbacks. You know my answer is if you start in quarterbacks after a large portion of the season, guess what? You're it's in, a problem. You're in big trouble. It's a problem. There just aren't enough good quarterbacks out there. And by the way, we should remind people, if you didn't see the news yesterday. And by the way, Glenn was an early third-round pick. I apologize. Was Not he third? I thought he, I thought he might have been. Yeah. But if you didn't see it yesterday, yeah, Cam Newton is in the protocol. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was not out here today. Mac Jones was sensational. Yeah, we, we should talk about Razor him a little sharp. bit. Razor mm-hmm. sharp. He was really – and all the drills, one-on-one, seven-on-seven, team drills, red zone, two-minute drill. Mac Jones was balling out today. He again, was really good. Not not the biggest arm. Accurate as hell. Got the ball out on time. Pinpoint. Went to the right guy. I mean, just fantastic. He was wonderful. Wonderful. There's no other way to put it. He looked like a you look like you were watching a veteran quarterback. Watching what, what, a quarterback. And what did I say to you? Uh, I, I you want to drop the you can drop the I'm going to do want. it. I wasn't going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. Go. I said to John, I walked over to him and I said to him, is that Mac Jones or Drew Brees? It looked like Drew Brees. He was that good throwing the ball today. It was scary. He he was very, very, very good. He was sharp. Sharp. But you know what? Again, it's, it's a practice. It's one practice. I know the Pats people were telling us they were happy with him uh, this past weekend in the game that he played. And so, hey, good for him. I, I, I hope tomorrow he does as well because the Giants are going to have their second day practicing against him. And if he's throwing the ball that well, that'll give them something to shoot for to try to knock the ball down, try to make a play on him. You only practice well when somebody helps bring out the best in you. You don't want to practice against the guy who's throwing the ball off the side of a building. Right. And the other piece of news that almost broke the NFL world today, shocking, Everyone was, you know, completely blown away, fell off their chairs. Trevor Lawrence will start in week one for the Jaguars. No one, no one expected that. Everyone thought it would be Gardner Minshew or um, Bethard. I know it's a shock, but the first overall pick in the draft that has been the first overall pick in the draft for the last three years, predicted, obviously, will start week one. Not a surprise. Does he have health insurance? Well, that's the question, whether or not the line can protect him. And we will find out. Oh, my. Paul, it was fun. Yeah, John, we're going to do it uh, tomorrow out of practice again. We will check in with the fellas. Yeah, and Lance and Jeff will be hosting tomorrow at 3, and our show on Friday will be at 3 p.m. as well, just as a reminder. Uh, but Paul and I will be driving home from Providence at that point before we stop in New Haven for a second go at pizza. We will call in from the car together. Yes, I have to deal with Paul for three-plus hours in the car. Pray for me. And we will call Jeff and Lance and tell them everything that happened 
um, at practice tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that. Just be uh, glad you didn't have Lance in the car. You would have had to use your child's high chair. And by the way, Paul and I were very excited last night on the way up. I should bring this up. I'm killing you know Taylor and Pearson, but sorry. Uh, but I tweeted about it. I know fans were asking me about it. So we stopped at New Haven for pizza. Uh oh. You know, and New Haven is you know the famous. You know, people from Connecticut swear best pizza in the world, and they do get rated top ten in a lot of these right. stories. People swear by the it. Thin crust. Yes, it is thin crust pizza. It's a special, you know, a pizza, a pizza, whatever the how 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 the heck you pronounce it. So we went to one of the spots. I don't want to blow the name out there. But we went to one of the popular spots. Go to my Twitter feed. You can see it. Um, it was good. It was fine. But spectacular. Eh. It was. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Thin crust pizza. Yes, yes. And 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 I will say, uh, the people were incredibly nice to us, considering we were getting closer oh, and yeah. closer to Patriots territory. Well, of course, Paul ran into you know? a, Paul ran into a Giants fan outside the place. Of course, yeah. That turned well, into a forty. Min- These poor people were trying to get home to eat their pizza. I know their pizza's getting cold in their boxes. But the and father, Paul won't stop talking to well, these Danny guys. Kept, Danny, right? It was Danny. Sure. Danny, Danny kept asking me different questions. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, not his, answer him? His poor son just wants to go home and eat and watch oh, the Yankee game. His son was starving. And his buddy is dying over there trying to eat his pizza. And, and, and I know. And you just and you wouldn't let him leave. Danny kept asking me questions. <laughs> what do I, I? I couldn't turn my back on him. But it was nice to run into some was, Giants yes, fans in what was becoming Patriot country very quickly. Right. Once again, folks, uh, tomorrow at 3, Lance and Jeff, Paul and I will join in the phones. Then uh, Paul and I will be back. Uh, at 3 o'clock on Friday from the facility, doing the show from there. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmell. Good job by Pearson and Taylor. Good job, Wireless Card, for keeping it on hey, for the full hour. Excellent work. Technology. Good job, Wireless Card. Uh, you'll get a raise in the uh, check next week. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 3 for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.